Tomorrow at 3 o'clock at the Lumalini University Church, there will be a memorial service for Dr. Peter Strutz, just in case some of you heard of him or know him. He uh, was the one who attended Walla Walla, got his degree in psychology, PhD, in uh, the University of Alberta, and then came to La Sierra and literally started the the psychology department and made it what it is today. So he, I was asked to give the life sketch, and the reason is is because after I graduated La Sierra College, my wife and I were assigned Prince Albert. Saskatchewan as my first church. I was there for several years and then I was ordained and Peter Strutz was the first person that I baptized way back in 1953, 54. It's a long time ago. And uh, his uh, wife, Helen, was a very close friend of Elaine's they both went to school at Canadian University College and then also at Loma Linda University while they're taking nursing. And she was the health secretary way back in 1954, the health secretary of the Manitoba Saskatchewan Conference. And she was anxiously waiting for the day that she can visit our church in Prince Albert, which I had three churches and two companies. And she visited Elaine and I in our district. And uh, that's where she met Peter. They got married, we're at the wedding, and also we saw their children grow up, and uh, one is a dentist, Dr. Judy Struss, you know her, I'm sure, and uh, the boy is uh, a medical graduate of Loma Linda University. He's practicing in the Temecula area, and uh, was it his son's wedding and so forth. So we've been quite close to the family. And it was a little bit hard for me to have the graveside service a week ago last Friday because it just seems like time has a way of going so quickly and you begin to realize that uh, people that have you known for many, many years are getting older and passing away. And when you're young, you never think you'll ever get old. Uh, so today I, uh, I would like to share with you just a little review of what you read for the scripture reading. And if you want to check into it, you can look at it again at 772 Memorial of Humility. It's rather interesting that Jesus... The Son of God being born here through Mary, human, divine, birth, and was here for some 33 years. And the last few months of his service, after being with the disciples for three and a half years, he instituted what we call now the Last Supper 
where there was a part of feet washing and a part of taking the bread and the wine, symbolizing his broken body and his spilled blood on Calvary's cross. So simple and still so deep when you think of its significance. So Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And it's rather interesting that the participation in the ordinances is to be until Jesus expects us to be ready to go to the Father like he did. Except that he will come and escort us heavenward to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. What? Now he's showing the full extent of his love? Something that we're supposed to be doing whenever we choose, at least once a quarter. And that verse goes on to say that when he met with the disciples, 12 of them, and he being present made a total of 13, a small group. But what a group. Why? Because they were in his presence. And they were instructed by him. And here's what he did. The Bible says, He got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Out of the blue sky? No. That's something that they were accustomed to doing for each other to some degree. But he did that, and now he was beginning to show them something very, very significant. And they were surprised that he was doing it when his servants should have been doing it. And just watch what happens after that. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? It was obvious what he's going to do, but he still asked, just to make sure. And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Interesting that Jesus warned him. I know your emotions. I know what you're thinking. And yet Peter goes ahead and says, no, you're not going to do it. I don't know whether I've ever told you, maybe some of you have heard it, I don't know. But uh, there are some churches that do their own thing when it comes to partaking of the bread. 
and they don't participate in foot washing at all. And there is probably reasons that they have. But I still don't understand how you can circumvent and do what Jesus himself said that should be done. Uh, I remember pastoring in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, a church of 250. We're also going through a church building program. And when it's time to have the ordinances, the foot washing, a lot of people would sit in the cars or go home. You know, after all, why, why, why do it? And I was impressed to preach a sermon. And I used some of these texts here where Peter had the nerve to tell Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. And yet we are to be Christ's representatives doing what Christ has done and what he admonished us to do. And I did say a lot of other things. And the next time we had, that's the Sabbath before the worship, before the partaking of the bread and the wine and, and the foot washing experience, for that Sabbath, we ran out of wine and out of basins and water. So you see, people still have the right to choose. But when we are informed, then we realize the significance of it. And then when Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet, never. Jesus answered and said what is the title of my sermon today, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Interesting that instead of saying, unless I wash your feet, no, 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 no. He said, unless I wash you. Those of you who have been studying the scriptures and realize that we have all sinned, have come short of the glory of God, we cannot be saved, we cannot be in heaven, we just cannot do anything unless Jesus washes us completely of what? Our lifestyle, our misbehavior, our breaking the commandments and Sin is a transgression of the law. And unless Jesus washes us, we don't really have a future. We don't have eternal life. And he's got to wash all of us completely. Otherwise, you have no part with me, that verse says. And that's your choice. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Wash me completely. Yes, go ahead, do it. Because I realize completely that, that I need to be completely transformed into your image. And Jesus answered, now coming back to the service that he's going to have, he says, oh, look, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. Not his whole body. His whole body is clean. And then when he had finished washing their feet, that's all the disciples, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And then he said, do you understand what I have done for you? Interesting that he did it. And they watched, observed what he did. And then Jesus still says, do you understand what, you ha what I have done to you? And this is why I mentioned to you as a visitor just observe and see and hear what, how beautiful it is here. And some of us need a review on this thing over and over again. 
And then Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And there's more significance in this than just washing each other's feet on a day that's set aside. It means that we should be like Christ, always helping people in whatever way. In whatever way. Their needs, their physical needs. It's open to the whole person, encouraging people. And then it says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed, you will be happy if you do it. So why, why, why do you want to do it? We read it. Now we looked at it again from another angle. And my question is, why, why should we do it? And partake of the wine and the bread. Lately, as I have basically gotten older and began to realize that when I first became a Seventh Adventist minister at age of 22, I have never attended a funeral service. At age 22. And since then, I've had quite a few services. And the older I get, the more it seems to be that I have. Out of 14 in my family, five are now, have passed away. And now the memorial service will be held. And I have another one in the Homeland Church, which will be on the 22nd of April. And... Uh, not too long ago, I had a service for a little baby of one month and 27 days. And if you watch television and the news and other things and hear, it is miserable what's going on around the world. How many people are lost because of tornadoes, because of earthquakes, because of violence, because of war, because of whatever. And it's just compounding. And we know what the cause is. But could we look at the other side of the coin? Revelation 21.4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. How many of you have shed tears? We all have. For whatever the reason. To the smallest little thing, when we remember being a little child, and we got hurt or whatever, we shed a tear, and it was disaster. And now we face some disasters without even getting emotionally involved. But yet there are times when something happens. We couldn't help but shed tears. And tears are a byproduct of our emotions and so forth. And uh, here this verse refers to God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, almost referring to the fact that people do shed tears when a loved one passes away. And then it says, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So whatever you've gone through in life, 
those things will be gone, will be passed away. If you make the choice of making sure that you have what Jesus said to Peter, and that is to do God's will and to allow Jesus to wash us completely of all sin and have us being ready for his coming. Because the Bible does say that when Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven, we shall be like him. How? Because he will wash us. And when Jesus washes us, we will be like him. We will be transformed into his image. I'd like to just share with you a quote here from the pen of inspiration. And it says this. In the home of the redeemed. This is so positive. There will be no tears. No funeral trains. No badge of mourning. Quoting Isaiah thirty-three twenty-four. The inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquities. End of Isaiah 33:24. One rich tide of happiness will flow and deepen as eternity rolls on and on and on. Let us consider most earnestly the blessed hereafter. Let us let our faith pierce through every cloud of darkness and behold him who died for the sins of the world. And as we participate in the ordinances, you will see clearly why Jesus said, do this, do this. There's a reason. He has opened the gates of paradise to all who receive and believe in him. Let the afflictions which pain us so grievously become indestructive lessons, teaching us to press forward toward the mark of the prize of our high calling in Christ. Let us be courageous and encouraged by the thoughts that the Lord is soon to come. Let his hope gladden our hearts. And when people make a decision to let God's Holy Spirit lead them, they are ready and they are waiting for Jesus to come. We are homeward bound. He who loved us so much as to die for us hath built for us a city. The new Jerusalem is our place of rest. There will be no sadness in the city of God, no wail of sorrow. Nobody's hopes will be crushed and buried affections. Everyone will be glad. Soon the garments of heaviness will be changed for the wedding garment. Soon we shall witness the coronation of our king. Those whose lives have been hidden With Christ, those who on this earth have fought the good fight of faith will shine forth with the redeemed's glory in the kingdom of God. And the last quote says this, It will not be long till we shall see him in whom our hopes of eternal life are centered. And in his presence, all the trials and sufferings of this life will be as Nothing. And we all do have trials, disappointments, 
lot of hard work, a lot of worry. And we've gone through experiences that we wonder why, why, and how could we ever get out of it. Here we have a promise, just trust in God and he will take care of it, but choose to follow him. Look up, look up, and let your faith continually increase. Let this faith guide you along the narrow path that leads to the gates of the city of God into the great beyond, the wide, unbounded future of glory that is for those that choose to be redeemed. So we're going to have an experience right now. And those of you who've had it shortly, if this is not quite the quarter or the end of the quarter, feel free to participate or rest here or watch what we do. So we're going to now dismiss and uh, the families will have the foot washing in the, where the fireplace is just in the kitchen area and uh, we'll have one room to the right which is for the ladies and the left is for the men. Am I correct? Okay, so we are now dismissed, and as soon as you're finished, come back here and we'll partake of the bread and the wine. You are now excused.